Oh, right, right. Yes. Although this is going to be awesome. You guys are really not going to want to miss this. But you, yeah, totally dismissed for kids' church. Uh, leaders and kids head out that door and up that way. So open your Bible to Colossians. If you're in the Pew Bible, it's 156, the book of Colossians. And I would like to read from chapter 2, verses 6, 7, and 8. So if you would all stand in honor of the reading of God's Word with me, this is Colossians chapter 2, verses 6, 7, and 8. And the Word of the Lord says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in Him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed, and overflowing with gratitude. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Thus saith the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So, this passage, these three verses, Colossians 2, 6, 7, and 8, have so much in here. I'm actually going to do this week and next week on this. So this is part one of a two-part series on Colossians 2, 6, 7, and 8. Now, there are four stages of Christian growth outlined here in Colossians 2, 7. Rooted in Him, built up in Him, established in your, in your faith or made firm in your faith, just as you were instructed, and overflowing with gratitude. Today, I'm going to talk about the first two, rooted and built up in Him. And I'll talk, obviously, about the second two next week. So before we get to these, it's important to get a sense for how they fit in the rest of Colossians. So Paul begins this letter, like he does all of them, with his standard greeting. Who's writing? Paul, an apostle, Timothy, our brother. Who it's to? To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ at Colossae. Grace and peace. That's his standard greeting in almost every letter that he writes with very little variation. Um, and then he goes into this section where he's exhorting them. He's encouraging. He's spurring them on and saying, hey, guys, I've heard about you. I've heard about your faith. This is great. He finishes that exhortation and then starts one of the clearest doctrinal sections on the person and work of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. So that's where he goes. Introduction, exhortation, doctrine. And he finishes that strenuously, is the word used there, strenuously contending to teach, proclaim, and admonish everyone about this doctrine of Christ. Chapter 2 takes a little break here. In these three verses, some of you even have that broken out by a paragraph in your, in your Bibles. 6, 7, and 8 are kind of a, a little side road. And he says, therefore, and that's a, that's a key word that says, all right, this is connected to everything that came before it. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, firmly rooted, being built up in your faith, made firm in your faith as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. And then the caution of see to it, no one takes you captive. And then he goes back into another huge doctrinal section about the person and work of Christ. So that's kind of the overview. So you have this standard kind of greeting. There's, hey, I've heard about you guys. Doctrine, this big section on doctrine, this little detour that we're going to talk about today. And then more doctrine is kind of the overarching uh, framework, how these passages fit. So 
these three verses and their, their connectors before and after can be talked about in terms of a positional understanding of our faith. See, we have these four qualities rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness, four qualities that depend on a positional understanding of faith. So before I go any further, I need a volunteer. I need a volunteer who has been has some sort of a construction background. I promise I won't embarrass you. It's going to be fun. It was awesome in the first service. Construction background, anyone? 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 Okay, James Rohde, construction background. Okay, I have here blocks. And what I need for you to do is build me something. It doesn't matter what it is. My kids favor rocket ships and and towers that they knock over. But I don't want you to knock it over. And the only thing, the only requirement is that you use all the blocks. So build whatever you want and just use all the blocks. Building. Okay. Back to the passage. These four qualities. We're going to talk about the first two. Rooted and built up in Him. Rooted in Him. Built up in Him. In Him. This little prepositional phrase is really important. We're going to talk more about rooted and built up here in a second. But the connecting factor that these two share is in Him. So I use this phrase positional understanding of faith. Well, here's what comes into focus. The Bible teaches that Christianity is not just something we do. It's something we are. The Bible teaches that believers in Jesus have a heavenly, spiritual, eternal, and even present position in Christ. We are united and identified with Christ in his person and work past what he did, present what he's still doing in us and others, and future what he will do. Paul uses this in him, in Christ, with Christ, this positional language more than a hundred times in the New Testament. So it's significant. 1 Corinthians 1, 2, 1 Corinthians 30, 31, Galatians 3, 28, Galatians 5, 6, Philippians 3, 9, and others. These phrases focus on the security of this position and the blessings associated with it. Positional understanding. It is the foundation for all of the Christian life. And the foundation is the person and work of Jesus Christ. Well, the mechanics of positioning, of getting into this position, are fairly straightforward. See if you guys can hang on as I go through this here. Big breath. When people place their trust in Jesus by personally believing in him, by trusting in his person as God and his work on the cross as the payment for their sinful condition, they are placed into a vital union with him through the baptizing work of the Holy Spirit. At that same instant, they are then co-identified spiritually and actually with Jesus Christ in both his person and his work. Got it? (laughs) Okay. Maybe we need an example. So are there any women here who are Mary Kay consultants? Have any Mary Kay consultants in the room? Okay, we had one last service. And again, Mary Kay, I've done a little bit of research on this, and she started selling cosmetics on her own, and she wanted flexibility, so she started a company to enable mothers uh, and wives to, on their own time, just distribute these cosmetics, which are a fantastic product to begin with. I'm not poking fun. I'm just saying this is... Mary Kay is kind of an interesting example. So, the consultants themselves are not actually Mary Kay. Right? They're just a consultant. They're not actually Mary Kay. But, these consultants have been given all of the power and authority of Mary Kay 
to beautify everything and everyone around them. These consultants function as if they were Mary Kay in their sphere of life. And when they sign on to do Mary Kay, here's an interesting thing. Nothing really changes. There are still them. They're still, they still have their clothes. They drive their car. They live in their house. Nothing really changes. And yet, lots of stuff changes. The way they approach life is different. They have window decals in their car. and There's probably under the snow somewhere. Right now there's a sign buried in their yard. Um, there's hundreds of samples that take up their spare room. There's catalogs on every spare inch of their countertop. Um, they have, it was kind of funny that there was a consultant in the last hour and I made kind of a joke and, and her husband came up and he's, anyway, so the joke was they have so many makeup brush sets, their husband uses them to, to do trim painting around the house and he says, no, actually the eyeliner brushes are great for his model train work. Anyway, um, <laughs> you know, if Mary Kay loves mauve blush, these consultants love mauve blush. If Mary Kay loves taupe concealer, they love taupe concealer, as is Mary Kay, so are they. So, of course, this analogy is going to break down eventually, but it helps as a starting place. So, as is Mary Kay, so are they. As is Christ, and we are in him, so are we. Let's look at some of these qualities of our position in Christ. As Jesus has died to sin, so we have died to sin. As he rose from the dead, we will rise from the dead. Ephesians tells us, as he is seated at God's right hand, so are we right now seated at God's right hand. As he is the son, so we are sons. As he is eternal life, we have eternal life. As he is perfect righteousness, we have his perfect righteousness. As Christ is, so we are positionally seated in him. A couple more thoughts. And then we'll finish how this works itself out in rooted and built up as well as small groups. This position is not necessarily a conscious experience. It's not an emotion. It doesn't come and go. It's not a second blessing to be sought. It is a spiritual fact and takes place as part of the grace work of God at the moment of our conversion. And this is true for all believers, regardless of their feelings or understandings. Of course, understanding this positional truth is crucial for these tasks of being rooted in him and built up in him. The final detail before we look at these rooted and built up things is this positional truth is not progressive. At the first instant of salvation, having been placed in Christ by the Holy Spirit, believers are blessed with every spiritual blessing and are complete, lacking nothing. Of course, we do need to grow in our understanding of the things that we have. That's Ephesians 1.3, Colossians 2.10. There are other passages that have this in the past tense. We're saved, have been given, already are. So, rooted and built up. James, it looks like you've about come to the end of that. So, uh, here, is this Seth, we're going to grab this mic real quick. No, no. It's awesome. I just figured I was building this so you can... No, 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 no. So what is it? Uh, it is a mansion. Yeah. I love it. The cantilever roof off the side here, you know. And oh, wow. The, 
Porticolis off the front. Yeah. Porticolis <laughs> off the front. Okay, this guy knows what he's talking about. That's awesome. So how did you go about constructing this? Uh, as fast and so fast as I could. Yeah. Okay. Um, what uh, is, I and tried to, yeah, I tried to think about a little bit of aesthetics. So I was so aesthetics were part of it. Was, yeah, was structurally obviously it's, yeah, it's pretty I tried tall. to make sure that it. Yep. And okay. so I had to make sure that it was uh, balanced and. I was trying to make it fairly symmetrical as best I okay. could. Okay, I love it. As as so I tell could. me about this stuff on the bottom, what, like this this block right there. What would happen if yeah, I moved so that? <laughs> so the two uh, bottom main pieces there, the uh, two by fours. Uh, if you move that, it would the whole thing would probably come down. Wow, <laughs> just those one things. Wow, that's that's the rock. Okay, that its foundations on. Wow. So you you had to go down. You had to go down That's right. and focus on that part before you could go up, right? Absolutely. I did okay. not start at the top. You guys, give James a hand. <laughs> Thank you. So, the word, rooted, rizao in the Greek. This idea of being rooted is directly connected with being built up. You have to go down before you can go up. And the interesting thing is, I've, we've got the architectural metaphor here, but rooted in this particular passage has more of a horticultural sense, almost like a tree, a plant. The definition is literally, rizao, here has the connotation of striking roots, to strengthen with roots, to fix, to establish, to cause a person or thing to be thoroughly grounded. And finally, it carries the connotation of making healthy. As in, a tree with a healthy root system will grow. And to destroy the root system is to destroy the plant. Fascinating thing about trees Usually when you plant a seed, what's the first thing to grow? Does it go up first? It goes down. It goes down and out. A typical root system of the tree will be two to four times the diameter of the crown of the tree. We all look at a tree and say, hey, isn't that pretty? But the root system underneath is the reason that's there. Rooted and then built up in him. This positional understanding of our faith. What you see in terms of the health of the tree or plant or believer and the quality of their fruit is directly connected to the health of the root system of the plant, rooted and built up. See, guys, so many times we think of this idea, I say words like positional understanding and doctrine. You know, I've got to pull my glasses down on my nose and cross my arms behind me and talk like this, positional understanding and doctrine. And it's stuffy and stodgy and it's inert. It's, we think about this more as the foundation in a building. So you put it in once. I don't even want to mess with it. I'm going to hire a company to do it. I put it in once. I cover it up with dirt, put a building on top of it, never think about it again. But this is different than that. This is this, again, the connotation of health and this growth. It's got to be connected to the roots. Now, built up. Epoi kodomeo. Built up is the other end of this process. Built up. The word shows up a total of seven times, and it does have more in the sense of architectural connotations, but that's brick on brick, slowly growing over time to be built up, to have this vibrant living root system in a positional understanding of Christ, and then working that out day in and day out in our faith. To add to the importance, these two are connected as a parallel pair 
Two, strengthened in the faith and overflowing with thankfulness. Rooted and built up. Strengthened in the faith, overflowing with thankfulness. Again, that's a literary device used in Scripture. When I repeat myself, it's important. When I repeat myself, it's important. So we have to pay attention when Paul does that. And the final thing is that these are all in the passive sense. Not active. Because God does this work. God roots you. God will build you up. God will make you firm. So what do we do with this? What does this mean for us? This should mean that we only have two priorities. The first is a negative, and the second is a positive. Good news, bad news. You always want the bad news first, right? So we'll start that way. The bad news, the negative priority that we have. Look at verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the traditions of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. The Net Bible, which is a fantastic translation, has be careful not to allow anyone to captivate you through an empty, deceitful philosophy that is according to human traditions and the elemental spirits of this world and not according to Christ. This is strong. How many of you guys have heard of seed faith or prosperity theology? How many of you have heard of that in a book, on a radio, somewhere? It's, it's out there. Most people are kind of generally aware of this. And boy, it sounds good. I mean, it really does. There are places in, here in Summit County that are preaching this. There are places around the world. There are guys writing hundreds of books and selling millions of dollars worth of material talking about this stuff that God is a good and he's a good God and a good God would only want good things for you. And he wants you rich and he wants you healthy and he wants you married and he wants you to succeed. And if your life doesn't look like that, then it must be your fault. Because God is doing His part, you need to claim the prosperity, claim the health, claim the relationships, claim the success by sending a check. Okay? It sounds good. Driven in large part by the American dream. It's what we want. Interesting thing is, as Paul is writing about this doctrine of Christ here in Colossians, he was thinking more of the Gnostic heresy in his day. And in our time, it's a different one. And prosperity theology is not the only one, but prosperity theology is an example of empty, deceitful philosophy. This is strong for sure, and forgive me if I'm stepping on toes, but I can't not preach this, because this is what's there. See, the thing is, the prosperity theology feels good, but what about this single, penniless, homeless murder victim otherwise known as Jesus Christ, that we follow. What about when Scripture says in James, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials and temptations. What about it when Jesus says, I tell you, in this world, you will have trouble. See, this empty, deceitful philosophy depends entirely on human tradition Guys, we all want health and wealth, and we all see it as good, and we even distort the meaning of, quote, good, end quote, to make it seem rational, but it's nowhere in Scripture. 
And many of these teachers will say that they have had a, quote, further revelation from God that trumps what's here. This is an old word. They have a new word. There is a fresh outpouring. There is a timely revelation to say that what the Bible says is outdated and cannot be trusted and must be informed by their words, by their spin, by their empty and deceitful human tradition. And Paul says, see to it. Pay attention, be careful, avoid captivity and bondage with these easy, empty, and deceitful teachings. Guys, just like the tree, your faith is a living faith that can be poisoned at the roots and even ruined by these incorrect and heretical teachings. Don't worry about the fruit of the tree. Worry about the roots. If the roots are right, the fruit takes care of itself. I have seen examples of empty and deceitful teaching too many times in my 11 years of ministry not to say something about it and say it strong today because this is exactly what Paul warns against. So, that was the negative. Always take the bad news first. So now the good. We end with a positive here. We're going to look more, as I said next week, about what it means to be made firm in your faith, that which you have been taught and overflowing with thankfulness. But for today, for the 40 days of love that you've heard Brian talk about for weeks, let me ask you a question. And I don't want hands raised. I just want you to reflect on this. How many of you have ever struggled with addiction? Things controlling your life that you can't control. How many of you have ever struggled with alcohol or drugs or sex or food or television or coffee or chocolate or work or anger or money? No show of hands, but if I didn't touch on something that you have wrestled with at some point... um, You should write a book, and it'll make millions. Uh, The most effective way, if you've ever been in a position like that, to deal with it, I'm sure you know, starts with an A, ends with accountability, right? Is accountability. For those of you who have been through AA, you know that the meetings are not magic. Hi, I'm, and I'm a... Alcoholic, I'm a drug addict, I'm a... The meetings aren't magic. It's the accountability. It's the being around people who struggle with what you struggle with and struggling with it together. Regularly meeting with these people and being open about these struggles. See this exhortation in 2.7, rooted in Him, built up in Him, established in your faith and overflowing with gratitude are directly connected with small groups and community. We've been talking about this for a while, and we're going to continue talking about it until it starts on the 13th of March. You need accountability. You need to be in community. You must. That's how we guard our roots. That's how we make firm our foundation. That's how we are held accountable. See, just like you can walk from here to Los Angeles, you can find something that floats and paddle it to Tibet You can hike across and climb Mount Everest with no assistance whatsoever from anything else. Sure, it's possible, but you're very likely to die in the process. When you have faith and you try to do it on your own, you are very likely to not succeed. 
We need each other. That's how it was designed. We together are the body of Christ. So the challenge is for mature believers. If you are a mature believer, take your faith off the shelf. You know, we spend so much time. It's like a ship in a bottle, you know, and and it takes us years and we perfect these little things about our faith and then we display it proudly on the... No! Take it off the shelf. Get it out. Use it. Get it dirty. Be in other people's lives if you're a mature believer. If you're a new believer, if maybe you've just trusted Christ today, this morning or last week, go find somebody whose Bible has duct tape on the spine and every time they pick it up, Psalms and Proverbs falls out. Go find a guy with a Bible like that and say, I want to buy you a cup of coffee. How did you do this? Tell me about what you struggle with. Help We need to get in community. And the perfect way to do this, maybe you don't know where to start, is to get in a small group now. We have a 40 Days of Love initiative. We're going to start that on March 13th. We have, you guys have been fantastic. We have plenty of host couples. The host couples are just opening their homes. Um, We have plenty of host couples. We need you guys to start signing up out at the welcome table today. It's six weeks It's getting together, having a cup of coffee, watching a DVD, and reading through Tom Holliday's book, The Relationship Principles of Jesus. It's a perfect way to get started in becoming rooted and built up in Him. Mike and Deb, would you come up for a second? I just wanted a a more personal experience of what does this look like? How does this work? And and Deb, I'm going to start with you. And the, the book, Tom Holliday's book, The Relationship Principles of Jesus, and the six that are there... What did you most appreciate about the material, about walking through that book? Well, I guess, um, first of all... Hey, Seth, can we get this mic real quick for Deb? Hello. There you go. <laughs> uh, first of all, I guess, um, it's not overwhelming. It's, um, you read uh, four to five pages every day, and um, at the end of it, there's a Bible verse to memorize and a question. And it really makes you think about throughout that day, for the next week, on through the whole series, about simple questions like, how did I treat my neighbor today? Um, How did I treat a fellow um, employee today? Um, And a lot of it, we can't love the way Jesus did on our own. We need God in us to do that. And um, the book is simple, it's easy, it's profound, it's following what Jesus did in his life. He shows us how to love others, and it, it really impacts your life. Wow. So, Mike, um, not only do you interact with the book, but you, you have already done this. Your small group has already been through this. That's correct. Um, so what about going through this material in the context of a small group? Six, eight, ten, twelve people getting together, working through the same thing, talking about it. What did that do for you? Uh, well, in our small group, it just, uh, it just feels right. It feels like we should be studying things like this together. And uh, when we come together and we share, uh, we learn together, we support, encourage, and pray with and for each other, it just, um, you know, we go deeper into our faith, and it's a faith builder, and um, it just feels like we're living out our faith the way uh, Christ asked us to when he, when he asked us to love each other the way I've loved you. Hmm. And you, in the first hour, you talked about some of the insights that other people had, and you talked about kind of sharing the common struggles and finding out, man, I'm not alone. And 
Is that? Uh, that's right. Uh, it's, you know, getting together in a small group, you you see that the things that you struggle with uh, are very common to uh, those in your small group, and it's very affirming as well as supportive. And um, you know, it it just uh, helps you to come to terms and to really love on each other and support each other. Wow. Thanks, you guys. Okay. So. 40 days of love, small groups. Many of you are already in a small group. That's fantastic. Some of you are in two or even three. I think Frank Butler has 17 in any given week. Um, and, uh, and that's fantastic. But if you're not in community, if you're not in a small group that regularly meets and is intentional about talking about doing faith together, we just, I want to encourage and exhort you, as Paul would, to get in one. And start this process, and this is a perfect time. So the sign-ups are out in the back. Um, if we could have the ushers as just the last part of our service. Today is the third Sunday, and this is our benevolence offering. And um, this pass of the baskets has nothing to do with our operating expenses. It doesn't keep the lights on or the heat on. It doesn't do anything. We take every dime that's given in this offering, the third Sunday of each month, and give it away. And we help people make rent, and we help them keep their heat on, and we help... Yeah, so that's what this is for. And so if you guys want to go ahead and start. Um, Seth, there's four slides. Um, uh, actually, there's should be down below that with the graphic, with the yellow, about the relationship principles and kind of what you can expect from a small group. I'll just go through those quick while the baskets are going here. See if we can get them. Raj Brooks put this together. And uh, it's coming. No, although God is an awesome God. Yeah, that's true, too. That's the song information. Yep. Maybe not. Hey, there we go. Um, So this starts the 13th of March, um, and we're going to work on one principle each week for six weeks. And along with that, there's going to be a DVD and there's a study guide and a workbook. And so when you go to this, it's not a huge thing. There's not a ton of preparation. You're going to watch the DVD each week and share your thoughts. Because God tells us that our dominant value should be love. Should be love. So the leaders, excuse me, next slide. Uh, the leaders, or the hosts, simply are opening their homes. They're just going to make it a hospitable environment. Have, you know, cookie and cookies and coffee. And um, they're not leaders. Uh, the DVD is going to drive all of that. They just need to review the content. Keep going. There, Seth, um, this, uh, and again, this study just follows the book, and the book is fantastic. Um, we really encourage you, and even if you're not going to do it, to grab a copy of that and read it. And finally, the six relationship principles are place the highest value on relationships. Relationships are more important than program. They're more important than performance. Love as Jesus loves you. Communicate from the heart. As you judged, you will be judged, i.e. don't judge. Uh, number five, the greatest are the servants and six treat others as you want them to treat you. So that's it. So Colossians 2, 7, be rooted and built up. Take great care for your system of roots and then be built up. And next week, it's awesome. We're going to see how we should be overflowing with thankfulness and how that works out in small groups. So if you would stand uh, together, we will conclude the service and then you will be dismissed. Praise God from whom all...